This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Today, we start a new series. This is the launching of a brand new series in September. It's called The Cheerful Giver. The Cheerful Giver will be our series. I will be introducing my subtopic shortly. But I want to give you a big theme text. This scripture that I'm about to give you is for the whole month. This is where... This series was birthed from, it comes right out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Here we go. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Why is that? Because wealth is so uncertain. Rather, to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything For our enjoyment. Command them to do good. Command them to be rich in good deeds. And to be, here's the big word, the big word of the month. Everybody say generous. And to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for their coming age. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. If you really want to know what true living is. It's the life of generosity, and that's really what we're going to be focusing on today. I found this kind of shocking, everybody, that the word give is mentioned in Scripture more than these three words combined. The words believe, pray, and love all together combined still come up less mentioned in Scripture than the word give. I find that fascinating. Well, today, our first week of this series, The Cheerful Giver, our first week, my subtopic today, is a matter of the heart. A matter of the heart. So let me give you a text that's that's directly linked to today's message. There's two scriptures. One is going to be in the book of Psalm, and the second is going to be in the book of Proverbs. Y'all ready for it? These are mentioned in your app under speaking notes if you would prefer to look at it that way. Psalms 37, verse 21, is our first reading of text for today's message. The wicked borrow, and they never repay. They borrow, and they never repay. But the godly are generous givers. The second text that goes with this is Proverbs eleven twenty-five. 25. And I said this in the first service, and I want to I say it here today. For all of us that are still rearing our children, if we're raising up children in our home, this is an excellent time of education that you get to partner Bible with with good common sense parenting, okay? These go hand in hand. It's a great scripture for us to teach our children that are in their formative years. A generous man will prosper. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Excellent life verse. That was Proverbs 11 and 25. Here we go today. A gentleman by the name of Paul, the Apostle Paul, before he really became an apostle, he was a church planter. Paul started churches from the time he had his uh, encounter with God when he was stricken with the bright light on his way to Damascus 
and he fell out in the middle of the road in the book of Acts and he had his life changed forever. From that point on, Paul started churches. He was called to go into an area, gather a group of people, teach them about Jesus, and then he would leave after placing a pastor over the church. So he would start a church, give it a pastor, and he would head on. And his, his mission was missionary work, starting churches. So he had started a whole bunch of churches, but Paul had crazy love for the original church in Jerusalem. I mean, that church meant a lot to him. So while there were a lot of different churches started out of the church in Jerusalem, and he loved them all, he had an affection for the home church that all these churches were started out of. So much so that one time in his ministry, he wanted to get all the other churches together and say, hey, I want us to give some love back to the mother church. And, and matter of fact, I don't know of a better way of doing it than maybe us giving an offering to the church that we're all out of. So why don't all of you guys get together and all you other churches, and if you want to be a part of this, we're going to collect that offering and we're going to give it back to the church that helped us get started. So... I pause there and say one thing about Calvary Church as a local church. I know I've been talking scriptural references, but this local church, one thing that we've been so blessed to do through the years is help start other churches. One of the, one of the core values of this local house and especially with me is I don't want to live in that controlling environment that thinks that everything evolves and revolves around this church. There's a whole bunch of people that this church will never know, that we'll never reach. So we have to be about the kingdom business and help other churches get started. I just spent a few, uh, a few hours at lunch. Uh, we, we extended lunch to about two hours the other day. I had a long lunch with our former youth pastor that we helped finance a new church for in downtown Fort Worth, Pastor Anthony. And I would hear him sharing his vision uh, for his church. And I was sitting there thinking the whole time, we, we did that. We played a role in that. They're reaching people that you and I'll never know because of the distance and just also the, the different vibe of ministry. It's, it's awesome to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Big amen? amen? All right. So this is what Paul was doing. He wanted to give an offering back to the church that helped start all these churches. So 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians 8. He says to all these churches, by the way, when you're raising your money to give back to the church in Jerusalem, you ought to try to do it like this one church in Macedonia. And he goes on, I'm going to give you the scriptures in case you ever want to read them. 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 12. I read these in the first service and I'm just being honest, it got bogging, I got, got bogged down in them. So we're going to not read it all right now, but there's your reference 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 12, and I'm going to kind of summarize it for you. He said, listen, everybody, you're going to raise money for the church in Jerusalem. Let me tell you about this one church in Macedonia. He says, it blew my mind because they didn't have any money. They were actually the poorest of all the churches we have, but in an odd way, somehow or another, they ended up giving more for their capital that they had, per capita, rather, Per capita, they gave more capital than all the other churches. So there were big churches that gave little money. But this little church that didn't have anything, they just poured it on heavy. 
So he, he basically used that church as an example. And he said, when you come time for your giving, why don't you, why don't you make sure you're giving your best? So he encouraged them to do all that they could do in this world of generosity. Everybody say generosity. And he mentioned something that's fascinating. He said it was a grace gift. In other words, not to be confused with salvation grace. Ephesians tells us that if we're going to be saved, we're saved by putting our faith in the grace of God. But that's not the same kind of grace here. This is charis. It's a gift. Like if you had a son and he was gifted in a sport, you would say, little Johnny's gifted in soccer. If you had a, 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 maybe a daughter that's gifted in a sport or maybe art or music, well, she's gifted in that way. Well, this is what Paul was saying. All of you have, have a gift of giving. You have a grace of giving. So do your best. Well, I want to talk to you shortly today because we have a lot to get to at the end of this service, which is completely abnormal for us at Calvary. But every now and then you got to throw a little change into the mix. So give me just a few minutes of preaching time. I want to talk to you about ways of giving, but don't be confused. It's not, here's your methods of giving by internet or by check or cash. It's nothing to do with that. These are ways of giving from your heart that you really need to make sure that these are the things you're operating in and you're living by. The first one is critical. Here's your first way of giving. Give joyfully. Give joyfully. What's our series called? A cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. This is one chapter after that whole thing I was talking about with Paul and the churches and the offering. Well, 2 Corinthians 9 is like, for this preacher, it's like the best scripture ever on giving because it takes all the pressure off of me and it takes all the pressure off of you because I grew up in an environment where giving kind of had a little pressure mixed into it. And I don't like that. So check this scripture out, 2 Corinthians 9. Each man or woman, don't throw anything at me. Each man or woman should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or not under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, I want you, sometimes I say don't raise your hand. I want to know. I want you to raise your hand on this. Have anybody ever been in a church service where it really got awkward because it was like really begging and forcing and like intimidation about money? Anybody ever been in one of those? Dude, join me. I've been in those and I determined in my heart real quick, God, if you're calling me to this preaching thing, I will not be that guy that gets up and makes people feel bad about money I, I didn't grow up in a preacher's home. I grew up in a home of a businessman that, that loved to give, but it never was out of intimidation. It never was out of control. Giving was just kind of a part of our lifestyle. But I witnessed church services where, you know, this is country, country talk here. They'd pass the plate more than once. You know what I'm talking about? They, they'd go back and count it. We didn't get enough. Somebody go out there and pass it again. It's just weird, man. So, this scripture changes everything for that because this church will never, we have never, and we, ne we never will be the type of church that puts pressure on giving. 
it needs to be something that you want to do. Well, how do you know what you want to do? The Bible tells you, here's the recipe for it. Pray and consider, ask God, make the decision for you and your family what you want to give. And what that does, everybody, listen to me. What that does, it frees you up to, to give because you feel like Holy Spirit's leading you to give, not because a preacher's telling you what to do. Are you, are you tracking with me? So, here's what I want to introduce you to. A way of being a cheerful giver. And we're talking about generosity. I'm fixing to help some of you break out of your comfort zone. And you're fixing to become more generous than you've ever been because you're going to find how much fun generosity is. In your worship guide that you were given upon arrival today, you found two little business card type little things, sizes. In hindsight, I probably should have put this image up there for you to see because some of you may not have one in, in, in your lap right now. But these little acts of kindness cards, our church has given you these. There's two of them, but there's stacks of hundreds of them in the lobby or vestibules, whatever he called it out there. That boy's too country to be talking so fancy. He don't even know how to spell vestibule. He shouldn't be using it. Never say words you can't spell, Cody. Hey, everybody, these little acts of kindness cards, this is going to be fun for you, okay? I want you to get a stack of them, get five, six, ten of them. If we run out, we'll buy more. And, and I want you to keep these in your car, and the next time you're going through McDonald's or Starbucks or wherever you're going through, and you want to do that whole pay it forward thing, you've, you've heard about that. Or the next time that you're at a restaurant and, 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 and your waitress has worked so hard, maybe she's single mom, and, and you can tell how, how tired she is, but she was giving you great service. Don't get your calculator out and enter 20%. Why don't, why don't you give just a crazy tip, man? Put down a tip more than the meal cost and practice this generosity thing. And put this little card with it where they know the scripture is true. Godly people are generous. Now, I'm fixing, a, I'm fixing an event, soapbox time. There's nothing more embarrassing for the Christian faith than a tightwad Christian. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you a tightwad Christian? Are there any waiters here today? Any waiters that are off today? Hey, 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 are y'all listening? Are there any waiters here or waitresses? My God, we need revival in the waitressing business. <laughs> Is there anybody here that's ever been a waitress? Ah, thank you. We got a, full, a few of you. There's nothing worse than Sunday and the whole church of America. <laughs> Come here, Brittany. Come here. Come here, Brittany. Come here, Brittany. The first time I met you, you were waiting tables at Olive Garden. Get up here, kid. Come here. Now you're a public school teacher. This girl was waiting tables when I first met her at Olive Garden. And let me tell you something. On Sundays, there's nothing worse than you little Bible-toting Christians Glory. going and eating. Preach it, right? Glory. Preach it, preach it, preach it. Okay, sit down. You're enjoying this too much. <laughs> then you order in your little chicken parmesan, 
and you're not leaving a tip. Now listen, folks. The Lord has been so good to you. If you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to eat out. Let's stand. We're dismissed. That was the best response I've had in years. Man, forget this Bible stuff. I'm just going to talk about tipping from now on, man. Hey, guys, how cool will it be if you went to a restaurant today and you were to leave, you know, just leave a big, nice tip for that hardworking man or woman that's trying to get through this life and you put a little something like that on them. You never know. They literally could view Christianity different. Because when you walk in there and you're looking good and smelling good and you've got your Jesus on and then you walk out and stiff them with no tip, who in their right mind wants to serve a God that's so tight like that? That's good preaching. All right. Let me tell you something. The Lord Jesus himself said in the book of Acts chapter number 20, verse 35, Jesus said, it's more blessed, and the word means happy, I'm more happy Giving than receiving. Doesn't have to be a tip. Next time you're getting your hair cut, fellas, at the barber shop, just pay for the next guys without him even knowing it. Next time you're in the grocery store line, pay for somebody's groceries behind you. I'm telling you, if you do it with your kids, your kids, they just, pardon my French, they just freak out. My kids, I've done it before, and, and my daughters are like, oh, my God. And they're like walking out the store going, oh, my God, I wonder if they know you paid for their milk. And I'm like, baby, the key is for them not to really know where it came from. Just keep walking. No, no, we, we pay for your milk. No, baby, come on. You ain't got to tell them that, honey. Come on. Your kids will fall in love with giving when they see mom and dad do it. Somebody say generosity. I'll tell you what I did the other day. And I just tell you this because it's a cool story because it was totally, it was like from here, man. It, it, it was just so heartfelt. Uh, my buddy in our church, I want you guys to show this picture real quick. My friend in the church is uh, Hunter Odom. He's one of our special needs students. I don't know, is Brent, is Brent and Kathy in, in this service by chance? Uh, they, they may not be here today. This is one of our church members in the blue hat, and that's his son Hunter. Hunter's my man, and he's a part of our special needs ministry here in the church, and Hunter loves to play golf. And not to be not to be cocky sounding or whatever, Hunter loves to play golf with Pastor Tommy. And buddy, we have us a time, and we let him hit however many golf balls, and you know, with his challenges, it, it makes for kind of a slow day, but it's a blast seeing how happy he is. Well, we were on the golf course the other day, and these two younger guys, one with the shades and the, and the shorter one with the hat, they're high school golfers in Burleson at Centennial High School. They were on the golf course. I don't even know these kids. We ended up partnering up, and we all played together. So to make it fun, I told these high school golfers, because I played in high school back in the 40s, and I told them, I said, listen, listen, these two old men, me and Brent, he's older than me. He's really old. I said, me and Brent, we're going to play you little punk kids. And if you beat us, I looked down and I noticed they were playing the oldest, most beat up golf balls. Those poor little kids didn't have a dime to their name. I said, if you beat us, I'm going to buy you whatever pack of your favorite golf balls they are. I don't care what they cost. I'm going to buy you some new golf balls. Man, they got all excited. And that little one, boy, he was smart. He said, but, but what if y'all beat us? 
He thought I was ringing him in. And I said, oh, you're going to have to pay big. He said, I don't have any money, man. I got two jobs and I'm in high school. And that made my heart hurt. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. If you beat us, and, and I said, then I, I apologize. Back up. I said, if we beat you, if you beat us, we'll buy you golf balls. If we beat you, you're going to have to go on Instagram and post a selfie with me in it saying, never play old men. They'll beat your brains out in golf. And they said, well, that don't cost any money. I said, I know. You already said you're broke. So if we win, if we win, you're going to give me a shout-out on social media saying, I'm like, I owned you, that I just killed you on the golf course, that I'm the greatest golfer on the planet Earth. And he was like, okay, that's fair. We beat them little punk kids down. Just bam, bam. I mean, I was relentless, man. He'd have a putt this big, and he goes, can I pick it up? No, you're going to putt it out, you little punk. I'm going to beat you down. So I won, and he had to put it on there, and I could see it in their face about those little golf balls. I said, fellas, I was just messing with y'all. I want to buy y'all some golf balls. And that short one was so respectful. He said, mister, like he's a little country boy or something. He said, mister, you don't even know me. I said, dude, I played high school golf. My daddy would never buy me anything. And I said, I don't want you to be like me. I stole golf balls from people. I would go around golf bags and say, oh, I, I think they don't need that one and they don't need that. I said, I don't want you to be a thief and then have to repent and go into the ministry for it. So I went in and I bought him golf balls. Well, that big one, man, bless his little heart, he had a little golf glove. He had had it so long the, the two fingers were missing. That thing was so wore out, it looked like last year's bird's nest. I mean, it was just tore up. And I said, I'm going to get you a glove. And that short one said, mine's old too. Everybody say joyful. Man, when you get a hold of this generosity thing, it changes things, man. You carry money in your pocket that's designated money. Designated money. For what? To give away. When you get a hold of generosity, you look for people, man, to be able to make a difference in their life. Jesus said he's more happy giving than receiving. Second thing, real quick. Give selflessly. Give selflessly. In that little portion of scripture we read, the Bible says that church in Macedonia gave themselves. They didn't have a lot of money to give, so they gave themselves. You hear me, everybody? Most important thing you'll hear said today. They didn't have a lot of money to give. They gave themselves. God didn't write a check for your redemption. He didn't take a calculator and say, Johnny's worth this much, Susie's worth that much. There wasn't a value of money. He had to give his best. He gave himself. John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave everything he had. He gave it all. He gave himself. This church in Macedonia that Paul's blown away with, he says, man, if y'all are going to be a church that gives, give like this church. They didn't hardly have any money, but they gave everything they had. Thirdly, so we're going to give these ways. We're going to give cheerfully, joyfully. We're going to give selflessly. Thirdly is giving willingly. Give willingly. Now, I always have fun about my mom and daddy. Man, the best thing that ever happened to me is when they moved to Fort Worth. 
it gave me so many stories to use in the pulpit. I never had stories to tell preaching until they moved here. Now I got all kind of crazy stories to tell. Because they'll love me, they won't leave. <clears throat> my mom and daddy raised me, man, if I were to get $10 from one of my grandmothers, I had to give tithe on it. I had to pay my tithe on it. But I will be honest with you, there were years in my life that it wasn't willingly. I'd argue about it. Church don't need a dollar. My mom gave me that $10. I ain't giving a dollar to the church. Church don't need any money. Church ain't hurting. Church got the air on. The lights are on. People going to church. Plus, Daddy, you got a job. You give. I mean, this money was given to me. <laughs> Granny gave me $20. I ain't giving the church $2. Daddy, you're just trying to take my money. It wasn't willingly. But something happened in my life the older I got. And the more I realized that everything given to me was God's gifts to me. Whether it came from the first two couple jobs I had or whether it came from jobs during college. I'll never forget one of the summers in college, I got a job at a paper mill. I found out real quick I was called to preach. No matter what job it was, the older I got, the more I realized everything that comes into my life was released by God into my life. And somebody might say, well, that whole tithing thing, that was Old Testament. You, man, you know your Bible. It was Old Testament. If you want to look for ways not to give, man, you can find ways not to give. If you want to study yourself silly and, and, and try to find reasons not to give, man, you don't even have to study. There's plenty of reasons not to give. But if you're honest about what Jesus did, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, I didn't come to abolish the law. I didn't come to abolish the prophets. He said, I came to fulfill it. Everybody listen to me. This is where it all changed. You're right. Tithing was an Old Testament external obligation. But once Jesus came, it became an internal delight. The motivation of giving was changed. So once before, we would give like Daddy was making us give. But after Jesus came, giving now is not a mandatory heaven or hell issue. Jesus trusts you not to approach giving from a legalistic, works-based mentality. Can I help somebody today? I want to free some of you up. There's two types of people in the room that I've been, I couldn't get here quick enough today to talk to you. Number one, the person that thinks giving is heaven and hell issue. You give out of fear because, my Lord, you don't want to split hell wide open. You need to be set free from that. Giving is not a heaven or hell issue. God's not going to cast you into hell because you don't give. So be free from whatever Grandma told you. It's not true. But then there's the second thought. Well, I don't have to do that anymore. No, you don't. You get to. You have been moved because of the grace of Jesus Christ out of the have-to camp to the get-to camp. Now giving is not mandatory. Giving is an opportunity. Giving is available. Here's what somebody in Scripture said it this way. 1 Chronicles 29, everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes 
from your hand. My fifth and, uh, I'm sorry, my fourth and, and uh, my fourth point is give thankfully. Psalms 116 says it this way. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? So instead of coming to church on Sunday morning with your calculator, trying to figure out what's the bare minimum, honey, we can do today to get out of here alive. Why don't you leave a calculator in your truck one Sunday and be scriptural based and just say, Father, how can I ever repay you for what you did for me? You've been so good to me, there's no value on it. So I'm going to decide in my heart what I'm going to give. And I promise you this much. You give with an openness of generosity, you'll be well beyond tithe as you grew up being taught. You'll move into a dimension of giving that supersedes tithe. My family, as just Denora and Tommy, in my home, we tithe and we go above and beyond that with missions giving. And just to let you know how we operate in our home is my wife and I both income drawers. We both tithe online and then we give our missions on Sunday. And we don't have a calculator with missions at all. It's wherever the need is, we do our best to meet it. Some of you, this is new to you. That's why that I'm speaking to you about this today. And I want you to know this too. I find this kind of cool. You may not find it as cool as I do because this is kind of like my world. But some of our church board members are here. They were here in the first service. Do you know it was February of this year that I spoke to our church board and told them that September, September 2017, that I was going to take an entire month and speak on the cheerful giving series. It wasn't because of the flood. It wasn't because of a pressing need that we have right now. This is not panic preaching. This is not, oh, I need something preaching. This was strategic. I knew that some of you are so new in your Christian faith. Some of you may not be new in your Christian faith, but you're new in this world of grace. You grew up in a, in a denominational world that, that pretty much told you everything to do and how to do it and when to do it. But now you're in this beautiful understanding of God's grace. And let me just help you with that. Grace gets a little frustrating sometimes because you don't have a harness. You're just open. And if you're not careful, you can take advantage or the Bible says frustrate the grace of God. And you'll find yourself lost well, I grew up tithing, but now I'm living in grace. How do I, what do I now do? You're going to have to embrace the grace of God with giving just as you embraced it with your salvation, and that is by faith. I trust your walk with God enough to tell you. You pray about it, God's going to tell you what to give. You don't need a preacher to tell you. The question is, will you be mature enough to take this sincere serious topic to the Lord and really allow him to download into your heart the plan for you and your family to have a breakthrough and to see things differently than you've ever seen them before. So we're going to give joyfully. We're going to give selflessly. We're going to give willingly. We're going to give uh, thankfully. And last but not least, we're going to give intentionally. I've already read 2 Corinthians 9 once, but I'm going to read it to you again from the New Living Translation. You must make up your own mind as how much you should give. Two things to avoid. 
Don't give reluctantly, meaning don't give reluctantly, but also don't give in response to pressure. Be intentional about it. Some of you need to have a family meeting. Husbands, wives, you need to sit down. Y'all already talk about your electric bill and your gas bill. You talk about your car bill and your mortgage. Y'all already work together in budgeting. If you don't, I think you need to be a part of one of our financial small groups and get on a budget. It'll help you. But if you're already going to meet about that, why don't you be intentional about your giving? Create a plan. Start a system. We have it all available online or through your app. Join together by faith and allow God to do a miracle in your life. Be intentional about it. Now, let me close today with more of a heartfelt appeal. We're all familiar with what's going on in Houston. This church cannot meet the need in Southeast Texas. We don't have the resource. But what this church can do is be a part of the solution. We may not be able to do it all, but we can do our part. I had a meeting Wednesday night with our Wednesday night attendants, and I want to have the same conversation with you. Your local church right here at Calvary will be participating in Hurricane Harvey relief efforts by three ways. And you can participate in all three. One, two. You can participate. I want you to have an opportunity to make a difference. This church, we exist for these reasons. To help people know Jesus. To help people find freedom in small groups. To help people find their purpose and serve in the local church and make a difference. I'm fit to give you three ways that you can make a difference in Southeast Texas without killing yourself. The number one way is giving financially. I'm not going to ask you to give. I'm giving you the opportunity to give. If you're looking for a safe place to give, every single penny, I give you my word and this church's word, every single penny would go to Harvey Relief. And for you that would like to know how, I'm going to tell you how. We're a part of two ministry networks, Global Ministries and Destiny. You might be more familiar with Destiny because we hosted a very large conference in the summer. It's a ministry connection of different churches. How I'm choosing our church to play a role is this way. And I'm going to use an illustration of firearms. A shotgun is a scattered gun. Has approximately 25 or so pellets that come out. One little pellet makes a small little impact. But then there's a rifle that's very central and scoped and intentional about its object of of firing. And it makes a larger impact in a very centralized location. I feel like this church can make its greatest impact by not just rolling into Houston without a plan, but being strategic and, and looking into serving churches that are underwater. We have campuses, several campuses that we are partners with that are not in service today and will not be in service for weeks to come. You may thought, your, your first thought might be, well, what about their members? Can't their members, their members are underwater. So while their members are tending to their own homes, their church sits empty today. This church is going to partner with Global Ministries and Destiny Ministries in supplying finance. Our second effort, supplies. And our third effort are teams of people 
that will serve local churches. We're grateful for FEMA. We have a supply list that is FEMA approved. Let me tell you what we don't need. Please don't bring us a lamp that's not working. We don't need a blanket from 1965. We don't need stuff that you don't want. What happens, emotional people in times like this, they'll go to their storage and they'll get trash bags full of, honey, 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 give me your bib. I know it's dirty with chili on it, but give me your bib. We're going to take that and give it to somebody who needs a bib. No, we're not doing that. We have specific needs that are on our social outlets, social media outlets. It's on our website. We'll give you hard copies. These are FEMA-approved items. Our friends, Bill and Danielle Ford of Storm Warriors TV, a great television program that we partner with in storm relief efforts. They have a semi that will be here at our church loaded and ready to go this week. I believe it's Tuesday, if I have my, my info correct. But that's going down to, with supplies. All of you that are looking for a supply drop-off, I know there's hundreds. Feel free to use whoever, but you have one here at your local house, okay? Second, uh, third thing, in your worship guide, and I got to be quick, we're running out of time. In your worship guide, you will find a listing of our small groups, but on the back of it is a form to, to, to enlist in serving. We have an awesome missions trip scheduled September 16th and 17th that we have teams going down. Uh, my wife is going down. Pastor Manny is going down. And some of you are already looking at your schedule. Isn't that a Sunday? Yeah, it's a Sunday. It's a Sunday. I grew up in an environment, God forbid you do anything on Sunday besides going to church. How about, how about we be the church? How about we really do something special in this situation? And, and I'm okay with it. I'm going to be here. We're going to be having church. We're going to worship here locally. But there's a handful of you that you're looking for a way to play a role. Well, we're going to have an offering taken. We need supplies sent. And we're also going to send down some teams. And there will be a plan. We won't just be rolling into Houston. There will be a plan. It will be a safe plan. We would not put any of you in any kind of awkward, harm's way. We'll be partnering with our ministries with a plan. So fill that out. And you can place it in the containers on the back wall. Again, we're talking about being a cheerful giver. And it's my job as your pastor to give you avenues to be a cheerful giver. I close with this video today. And then we're going to receive a hurricane relief offering today. Some of you are not prepared to give. And that's okay. If you need a month, if you need six months, if you say, I just don't want to, that's, that's totally up to you. I'm not giving you an amount. I'm just making it available to give today. If you want to go online and give next week, maybe next month, that's fine. Every single penny will be specific, earmarked for this effort. But I want to close today with a video. One of my good friends started a church in Houston a couple years ago. He and I grew up from childhood up. We used to run the roads together when we were kids. Little did I know that God would use him in a way that very few people will ever be used. My friend Jeremy Foster started a church called Hope City in Houston. There were two churches, two, two churches that financed his launch. You're one of the churches. Our church and my friend Mark Briggs in Shreveport, we believed in Jeremy and his calls and his ministry. 
And through your giving, through your missions giving, guys, you've helped plant a church in Houston that has over 20,000 members. Don't tell me giving is not working. There are people in Houston that are being ministered to every week because of you and your giving. I share this video with you because I want you to be stretched today. I want you to get a bigger vision than just these four walls. God's doing something in the middle of the storm that's going to last for eternity. Watch this today. Calvary Church family, Pastor Tommy, man, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for loving our city and helping us through your giving save lives. And though the sun is out right now, it is hot, it is humid because of all the water that we've got. And even though the sun's out, the storm's far from over because right now what we're dealing with is a timed release of reservoirs and bayous around the city. People who don't think they're, they're gonna get flooded, um, they're getting flooded. And this is gonna happen for the next 30 days. Adam Rust is an usher at our church, and now he's running a fleet of airboats. In fact, he's got six boats going today, and they're out rescuing people, and they've gone from Houston all the way down to the port. Whenever I talked to Adam on Monday, I said, tell you what, Hope City's going to come alongside you. We're going to give you $5,000 to gas the boats, and it's been unbelievable to hear the stories. In fact, there was a, a guy who was a paraplegic. There was no way that he was going to get out of his house. He was covered in some of, some of the debris that had kind of floated around his house, and Adam and the guys went in and got him out and took him to higher ground and got him into a shelter. My favorite part about this whole thing is people who don't believe in Christ being rescued by Christians. We're literally holding out our hands, picking them up, and saving their lives. And we're watching people give their lives to Jesus in rescue boats. Nothing shows the heart of God more than what Zach did for a lady in Kingwood, just northeast of the city. Zach is in a boat, and he looks out across, and he sees a lady, and she's just zipping down through the water and hitting trees, and she finally grabs on. And Zach thinks really fast, ties a rope around his waist, and dives into the water. He grabs her, says, you're going to be all right, and swims her back to dry land. She can't stop crying. We didn't even get her name. Zach is a volunteer at a church. It's when ordinary people, ordinary people of God say, we will not go quietly into this storm. We will not sit silently. We will jump into the waters and we will put ourselves at peril to save lives because that's what we do. That's what we do as a church. And that's what you've done for us. You've thrown us a lifeline, so thank you. We appreciate it. We don't know what to do right now other than just keep doing what we're doing. Pull people out of the water and, and, and get their feet on solid, safe ground. Keep praying for us. We love you and we thank God for you. We're making a difference and we're going to continue to do so. Yes, we're four, four and a half hours north and we can't do it all, but we can do something. Today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give now. I would like our ushers to come quickly. We're going to have an opportunity to give. And if you're, if you're by chance a guest here today, I'm only going to say this one time and trust that you'll believe me. We don't do this all the time. I just feel led to do it today. Feel led to do it. And I'm, I'm going to be very vulnerable. I'm going to be very vulnerable right now. Man, have I been beat up by the devil on this offering deal today. <laughs> Let me explain to you why. One Sunday a year, and it's coming October 15th. One Sunday a year, we do a big missions offering. One Sunday. And we spend every penny of that for the next 12 months on missions. 
And man, when I felt led to do this, this offering today, which is so rare, the only thing I could be thinking, the only thing that I could not stop thinking rather was, you're gonna get up there and you're gonna take that offering. Your mission's offering in October, it's gonna be the lowest it's ever been. You're not gonna have a penny to give away for the next 12 months. And so help me, I'm really taking a step of faith right now because I just know how people are. But I've got faith in you and I've got faith in God. Nobody asked for this storm, but I can tell you right now, they're asking for help and we're gonna give today. And then when Mission Sundays comes along in October, I'm calling on you to be the church that you've always been and give openly and liberally. I love you. Welcome to real kingdom living. This is really where it gets to the heart of the matter. Generosity. Bow your heads. Dear Lord, I thank you for a church that has dry pews and carpet today. Thank you for a church that's got cold air. There's our Christian brothers and sisters that are still rocking and reeling from a natural disaster. And we can't solve it all. Matter of fact, even at our best efforts of giving, it's just going to be a drop. But Father, I can't sleep at night knowing that we didn't do something. So right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever we choose to give today is not out of pressure from a preacher. It's simply out of the goodness of our heart. And we freely give it with joy in our spirit, with a willingness of love in our heart. And we release it to be used for the edification of the houses of God, our friends in Southeast Texas. Now do a miracle in it, in Jesus' name. And let everybody say amen. Jeff, if you'll continue to play just for a moment before I dismiss this. You'll just stay right where you are until we have an opportunity of giving. My family, we didn't get to give in the first service. We just did it now. And I just pray a blessing over what we just gave. And I pray a blessing over what you give. Guys, this series, the Cheerful Giver series, will continue this month. But I promise you, I will not, I will not take advantage of what we've done today. So please... Just hang in there with me all month long. I promise you, you're going to be a better Christian when this series is over because you're going to find the joy and the freedom that really comes in the life of generosity. I really do. I think it's going to change your life forever. Did everyone have an opportunity of giving? All right, everybody. I can't wait to hear the testimonies of those acts of kindness cards. There's going to be some waitresses go, uh, 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 sir, was that on purpose? And you're going to say, yeah, it was on purpose. Pastor Tommy made me feel like a, a loser for not tipping you last Sunday. All right, guys. I love you so much. Let's stand together. Hey, I want.